So if you look at the second juz, and some of you may, if, if you listened last night and you heard the way I went through this, you may benefit very well from having a copy of your Musaf in front of you. So Surah Baqarah, verse number 143, is a very important ayah. Again, all the ayat of Qur'an al-Karim are extremely important, but just because of lack of time, I'm plucking out certain gems and nuggets from each juz every night. But every ayah is a gem, every ayah is a pearl, every ayah is a jewel. Verse number 143, Allah mentions, And then, indeed, thus we have made you, and you means all believers, first and foremost, historically at that time, Sahaba Ikram radiallahu ta'ala anum and you all believers, we have made you an ummatan wasata, ummatan wasata, an ummah, a community of balance, of itadal. You know, normally they, they translate it literally as the middle way. But, you know, it really depends how you, the middle is based on how you define the ends, right? And so middle way does not mean in any sense moderate or enlightened or reformed believers. What it means is that they're people of balance of justice, of fairness, of equity, of piety, of righteousness, people who have a balance in terms of their maintaining and preserving their relationship with Allah and as well in a similar fashion maintaining and preserving their relationship and the rights that others have over them So here you have again Anas humanity so that you, O community of mu'mineen, believers, you will be shuhada, each and every one of you will be a witness upon humanity. What does that mean? So here the ulama have mentioned many things. One aspect of this is that on the day of judgment, if a person, a human being, makes a claim that they didn't know what humanity was, they didn't know what it means to be human, so actually the true believers, and by true believers it means those who followed the guidance that Allah subhanahu wa sent upon them in Qur'an al-Kareem and followed the path and model of the Prophet ajma'in. They were the paragons of humanity. They were the emblems of humanity. So their lives, they will have lived such lives, have been such good representatives of humanity that they will be a shaheed, they will be a witness. Their lives will speak to the reality of deen. Their lives will speak to the reality of humanity's spiritual, moral, ethical, religious character. And that will be an evidence and a testimony for all of the people. And then, for the believers, وَيَكُونُ الرَّسُولُ عَلَيْكُمْ شَهِيدًا That Sayyidina Rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam himself will be a shaheed. For who? For the believers. So, for the believers, what will they be modeled on? What will they be, you know, checked against? And that will be the sunnah of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. As Allah Ta'ala says elsewhere in Qur'an, كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رُسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا That indeed you have for your own benefit in every single aspect of the life and personality and character and spirituality of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, a perfect character. So just like, now let's do this now in reverse. 
just like Sayyidina Rasulullah primary role on earth was to convey the truth of deen, the truth about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the community of believers, then just like that the community of believers is there to fulfill the same role for the rest of humanity. So what's in this ayah is actually the critical importance of da'wah and how much each and every believer is responsible. They're in na'ib, they're in niyabah, they're representatives of the beloved Nabi Akram And they're supposed to guide humanity to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the same way that Sayyidina Rasulullah guided Sahaba Kiram the community of believers to the reality of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then the very end of this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, again going back to the Surah Baqarah mm, 143, Alright, so again, binas. So at the start of the ayah, the word anas, at the end of the ayah, the word anas, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is indeed lara'uf, tender compassion and kindness. That means Ra'uf. Allah subhanahu wa has tender compassion and gentle kindness. Rahim and is all merciful for who? Binas, for all of humanity. In what sense? In this sense. This is his tender kindness and mercy that he sends Prophet Ajmain and they guide communities of believers. And then those communities of believers become samples and models for the rest of humanity. This system, this nizam that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made is his way of being ra'uf and rahim to humanity. So you can see this is the perfect ayah to understand that the Qur'an al-Kareem is teaching us what humanity is, what the purpose of humanity is, why humanity exists, and what is our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now if we go forward... Uh, Verse number 150, 150. So just the last part of verse number 150. So there's a particular context this is taking place. Uh, this is, uh, you know, this famous incident and masala of changing the Qibla from Quds uh, to Makkah But at the end, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes a general rule that you should not fear them Rather, only fear me. means we should not fear people. We should not worry what people think or what people are going to say. The only being that we fear is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is a very important teaching because the more you fear creation, the less you will fear your creator. The more you fear the creator, the less you will fear creation. So what happens is for many of us, we obviously we fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We know we should fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We believe we should fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but we don't feel that fear. For some people, the reason is because they're too afraid of creation. They're too worried about pleasing others. They're too worried about what others think. They're too worried about the reputation in, the front of, in front of others. And then they won't be able to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was meant, is, is, it's a very important ayah. فَلَا تَخْشَوْهُمْ And do not fear them, rather only fear me, Allah SWT says. Why? So that Allah SWT says, so that I, Allah SWT, may complete my ni'mah, my bounty, my favor, and my grace upon you. So we also learn from this ayah that itmam ni'mah, 
the completion of Allah Ta'ala's bounty and blessing and what's the greatest bounty and blessing upon us is gifting us iman will not be complete until we're khashi'een, until we have khashiyah, until we have fear and awe and reverence for Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And get hidayah and so that you may be rightly guided. So we also learn here that we will only be able to follow hidayah. As I mentioned before, this is from ifta'al ihtida to be guided by the guidance when we have this fear of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So sometimes this lack or lapse in the nur and strength and passion or iman or an ability to be guided is because we don't have that intense fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Next ayah, Surah 151, uh, the last part. Uh, well, uh, uh, I'll just read the whole ayah actually. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning that the same way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to Sahabah and to this ummah. Similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent uh, earlier messengers. And here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is linking that and telling the believers that we have sent upon you in mere midst, kama arsalna fikum. Rasulam minkum, a messenger from your own selves, from humanity, from the Arab, from the Quraysh, yetu alaykum ayatina, that he will recite to you the verses of our revelation, or yuzakikum, and he will spiritually purify your character and make you beings of pure virtue and spiritual excellence. Number three, and he will teach you Quran al-Kareem, wal-hikmata, and beyond the text of Quran, he will teach you the wise ways of living, which is embodied in the totality of the sunnah of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. وَيُعَلِّمُكُمْ مَا لَمْ تَكُونُوا تَعْلَمُونَ And he will, in essence, teach you all that which you never knew. You did not know, and you could never know. And this is the point I wanted to make it clear. That the teachings of Revelation, Scripture, Quran, Sunnah, Deen are not things that a person could rationally arrive at themselves. They're not things that lie entirely within the range of the intellect. And there's an element there of Iman. There's an element of submission. And when a person does that, they get Ilm. And Ilm is something that is greater than Akal because Ilm of Deen Ilm of science is only in aql. Ilm of everything else is only in the aql and the mind. But ilm of deen comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Comes from the ilm of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Comes from the wahi, the kitab, the Quran. Comes from the sunnah and the hikmah of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And obviously anybody can understand that. That Allah ta'ala's knowledge far transcends our aql, our rationality. The hikmah and wisdom that Allah ta'ala bestowed upon Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam far transcends our aql, our rationality, our mind. And therefore Allah Ta'ala then says immediately afterward in verse 152, فَذْكُرُونِي Therefore you should remember me, make dhikr of me, be conscious of me, be aware of me, be mindful of me. أَذْكُرُكُمْ I will remember you. And there's so many beautiful ways that the ulama, and there's not enough time for that tonight, there's so many beautiful ways that the ulama have explained this verse. Remember me when you remember me, and I will remember you when you forget me. So I'll give you one example. Hmm? Remember me when you remember, and I will remember you when you forget. And be appreciative and grateful and thankful to me, and do not be ungrateful and deny, or be deluded into denying the blessings that I have sent upon you. 
Ya yuhalladhina amun usta'inu bis-sabri was-salah. So I said that this ayah is coming in the Lama Sabirin. That all oh, you who believe you must seek the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through sabr, through patience and fortitude and endurance and through the salah. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's special mercy, His intimate nearness, His special closeness, ma'iyya, is with the sabirin, is with the people who endure. And what it means again, what I said earlier, is that sabr here first and foremost means that you remain steadfast in your iman. You don't doubt Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You don't have, you know, anger towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're not upset at what is happening to you. That's the first aspect of sabr. And then the next ayah also, so these are a series of very, very important ayat. 154. And don't declare regarding those who were slain in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, amwat, that they are dead. Bal, no, rather, ahya'un, they are very much alive. However, you cannot perceive the type of life that they have. So Sheikh uh, Mengel, who was uh, one of our Asatiza in Karachi, he explained, he used this ayah to explain a beautiful thing. So this ayah is actually about the shuhada, who are the martyrs. Elsewhere in Quran, Allah SWT has mentioned four ranks of special believers, Nabiyin, was Siddiqin, was Shuhada'i, was Salihin. So this ayah, and those of you who study Darsanazami, you may, uh, I will use some terms for you. So the Ibaratun Nas, the Ibaratun Nas here, the literal textual meaning of this ayah is about the martyrs of Shuhada. Right? But embedded in the Nas then is every level greater than them. So if this is true about the Shuhada, it's true about the Siddiqin and true about the Nabiyin. So they are alive. So the question then arises that in what sense are they alive? Are they alive in just the sense that every human being will be alive in Alam and Barzakh? And when we die, we die physically in this world. We depart our, this physical world, but we remain alive in a spiritual realm in the grave that is sort of mapped in another dimension or plane of existence known as Alam and Barzakh. Right? And while we are resting in the grave, but we maintain... Uh, a presence in Alam and Barzakh and we maintain a presence like a tangential point between those two planes of existence on this wherever the physical place we're buried on earth and then Allah Ta'ala will resurrect us and revive us on the day and make a stand on the day of judgment but here it says Bal Ahya'un so actually in Arabic Ahya'un is like a khabar and hum is the mubtada rather they are alive so their life will be wherever they are. So because Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is at the Rodha, in his resting place. So whatever type of life he has, and that we don't know what the details of that life are. Because that's the next thing Allah Ta'ala is saying, You don't fully perceive and comprehend. But the Anbiya and Siddiqeen and Shuhada are alive in their graves not just in Alam and Barzakh, but are alive where they are, and where they are is also in their graves. So they are alive in their graves, but the exact nature and specifics of that life are beyond our ability to perceive, beyond what we know from authentic hadith and from Qur'an al-Karim. 
So one of the things we know from authentic hadith is Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he hears and receives the salam that a person offers to him at his roda. Allahu Akbar Kabira. And I should even go one step further. He hears and receives and Allahu Alam always but indeed most often he may reply. Allahu Akbar this isn't one of the most amazing things about our deen. There is no other community alive on earth that I'm aware of that even has a claim that they can go to the resting place of their Prophet and that their Prophet, or even let's say Buddhists, let's say they believe in Buddha, right? Whoever they believe, they're, who they believe their religious leader to be, that they can go to the resting place and that their religious leader or Prophet is alive in some sense and they can offer a greeting to them that is heard by them. This is one of the most amazing things about deen. And a person only really understands this fully when they go to Medina Manawara. May Allah Ta'ala give all of us tawfiq to repeatedly visit Makkah Mukarramah and Medina Manawara. Khair. So, verse number 156. Uh, this is the famous verse where Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala teaches us that anytime any musibah Calamity, distress, setback, misfortune reaches a person, they should say, Kalu inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. Indeed, we are, uh, indeed, we belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And indeed, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we will all return. And normally, people, and we know this, but what I wanted to show you was the next ayah, 157. Ula'ika alayhim salawatum min rabbihim wa rahmah. So anybody who says this in a time of musibah, anybody who says, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'oon, what do they get? They get salawat min rabbihim wa rahmah. They get salawat and rahmah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from their Rabb. The same thing that me and you say about the Prophet Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends salawat, blessings, rahmah, His mercy on those believers. All that is mentioned in this ayah, what did they do? They just said one sentence, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. And then the second thing, And they will be the ones who will be blessed by Allah ta'ala to be guided by the guidance. Allahu Akbar Kabira. All of this just by saying one sentence. Now what does it mean? It's not just saying the, the words. It means that in a time of musibah, and I told you this theme is going to keep coming. So we did it before. Uh, here it's coming. Any t- a second way. Anytime you have a difficulty, you must remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You must turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You must maintain your complete yaqeen and tawakkul on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's that feeling. It's not just the sentence, not just the words. Of course, Allah Ta'ala's infinite mercy, He may even give it to someone who just says the sentence and the words. But it's the feeling and the spirit behind the sentence. Due to which Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala then sends His salawat and rahmah upon a person. In 158, the end of 158, I wanted to show. فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ شَاكِرٌ hmm? So here, this is a passage where Allah Ta'ala talking about Hajj and Umrah and making tawaf and making sa'i. Alright? Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says an incredible thing. Fa inna Allah Ta'ala is shakir. 
Literally means Allah Ta'ala, it would literally mean grateful, but when you use it for Allah Subhanahu Allah Ta'ala is appreciative. Allah Ta'ala values. Allah Ta'ala accepts your deeds. But the word is amazing. Ya Allah, we are nothing. You are our master, our Rabb, our Malik. It befits us that we should worship you. How amazing is it? You are Shakir. You actually value and appreciate our acts of worship. Yes, this is what Allah Ta'ala is saying in Quran Al-Karim. Alimun, and he's all-knowing. He knows every single thing you do for him in his name and for his sake and out of his love. And he fully values and appreciates any and all such things. So this is a beautiful thing about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, 161. At the end of 161, and again, I'm not, I, I'm skipping things in the middle. Uh, but there was an interesting thing here. It's talking about those people, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking in Quran about those people who disbelieve. And here, by the way, inna ladina kafaru means those who know Islam to be true, but choose to deny and disbelieve in it anyway. And then they die in such a state of denial and disbelief, wamatu, for whom kufarun, and they die in such a state, ula'ika alayhim la'natullahi, Upon them falls the latna of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I wanted to explain this. Normally people translate latna as curse. And that is correct. But Allah ta'ala's curse on a person is not the English word curse as in words of profanity. Or naudhubillah foul language. What latna means when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one doing the latna. Means Allah ta'ala removes a person from his mercy. So Allah ta'ala's mercy is infinite. There's only Allah Ta'ala can put a person outside the reach of his mercy. That's what Latna means. That is the what it means to say Allah Ta'ala quote unquote in English curse someone. Not that Nawzibillah Allah Ta'ala uses foul language or profanity on someone. Allah Ta'ala will remove that person outside the reach of his eternal infinite mercy. So it means in that sense that person is quote-unquote accursed in the sense that they're, you know, completely mahroom now. They're deprived of any possibility of getting the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Well, malaika, when the angels do it, it means now the angels no longer because the angels otherwise are the guardians of humanity, right? The angels have no love lost for this person. When nasi ajmain, Allahu Akbar, so this is why I wanted to do this first because this is anas, again, is talking about humanity. When nasi ajmain, all people. Now this is interesting. What does it mean that all people uh, do latna on this person? So they're distanced from the mercy of Allah Taala. Then the angels also become distant. And here, when it's talking about all people, one meaning could be that on the day of judgment and in the akhir and the hereafter, all of humanity will distance themselves from such people on the Day of Judgment. It means no one will testify on their behalf, no one will intercede for them, no one will plead their case, they will be distanced from them. It also means that humanity, it's not literally referring that every human being will consciously do some type of latin on these people. What it means, it goes back to the concept of humanity. That anas here is symbolic of true humanity. True people, those who are fulfilling their covenant to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, those who are trying to be true, will completely distance themselves from those who know the truth, yet choose to deny it anyway. Verse 165. 
Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions a very interesting thing that those who set up rivals to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can mean false idols, can mean false ideologies, can be loving creation. But there's a word, there's a particular phrase Allah ta'ala uses. And from humanity there are those individuals who take other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, andada, rivals, equals. This is a very important phrase. They love those rivals that they set up the way they were supposed to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is a different type of shirk. So it's not shirk in iman. It's not shirk in ibadah. Here Allah ta'ala is talking about a shirk in muhabba. And that is something at some level that we have to make sure we are not guilty of. So... Loving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala means that you would give things up for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You would sacrifice your sleep for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, wake up for Fajr. You will sacrifice your money for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, give zakah, pay sadaqah. And if we don't do that for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but we do that for other things, oh, I'll sacrifice my sleep for the exam, I'll sacrifice my sleep for work, oh, I'll give up my money for the vacation. Hmm? And I don't do that. that. These things itself are okay, but if you don't do that for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then it's this, or they fall in some false, unlawful love, and they're always remembering that unlawful beloved, actually always remembering that was what a believer should be doing for Allah. They feel pangs of longing for that false beloved. No, pangs of longing was the feeling you're supposed to feel for Allah. They're desirous of one day hopefully meeting that false beloved. No, desiring to meet is the feeling we should have that we desire to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They love them, those false idols, the way they were supposed to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But then Allah ta'ala But those who have iman, they're stronger in their love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Means their love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala overwhelms any other love for any rival to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dominates their hearts such that no other, none of these false rival uh, loves can be maintained. Okay, 167, uh, and I, I'm going to have to go very fast now. Uh, here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions a very interesting thing, that on the Day of Judgment, uh, you know, there will be follower, people who were led astray. So there are those who led them astray and then there will be those who followed those who were leading them astray. So their conversation will take place between the two of them. And those who followed, those who led them astray, will say that, uh, <clears throat> that I wish I had just but one chance. لَوْ أَنَّ لَنَا كَرَّةً فَنَتَبَرَّأَ مِنْهُمْ كَمَا تَبَرَّأُوا مِنَّا if only we were able to return back to the world, we would disown them, disavow them, the same way they are disassociating and disavowing us now on the Day of Judgment. So what does this mean? This is showing that the people of evil ultimately betray one another. This is all also a sign that the people of evil will end up hating one another. The people of evil will have strife with one another. The people of evil will betray one another. Right? Uh, and this is something... Uh, to be watchful of and to be wary of. In verse 169, it here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, although there's a specific context, 
But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala generally is also mentioning a way that shaitan leads humanity astray. bisu'i That shaitan will command you bisu'i to do something evil. Wal-fahshai to do that which is shameful. And ultimately then you will say things, declare things, believe things about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you have no knowledge of. So the first thing shaitan does is try to make a person do a sin, any type of sin. Then the second thing is he tries to bring them into a second level of sin in which they lose their haya, they lose their natural chastity and modesty. So that is known Arabic as fasha. And then if they do that, once they lose that haya, then they will even then lose some aspect of their iman or they will say concerning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala something that is incorrect and for which they have no basis. So obviously the wise person will try to prevent the very first thing from happening because they're scared, deathly scared of the third thing happening. Verse 174. Uh, and this has been viewed by some of the Arifin as the most intense verse in Quran about Allah Ta'ala's most intense punishment. So different ulama of tafsir and different ulama of ma'rifa who deeply know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sometimes it's narrated about them that they viewed so-and-so verses to be the verses that expressed the most mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they viewed other verses that they mentioned the most wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this is one of those verses which some have felt uh, are the most intensely wrathful from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What? وَلَا يُكَلِّمُهُمُ اللَّهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ And Allah Ta'ala will not deign to even address them, speak to them on the Day of Judgment. وَلَا يُزَكِّهِمْ And Allah SWT will not purify them on the Day of Judgment. وَلَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ Rather for them they will be an extremely painful punishment. Allahu Akbar. And so in, in, in the way Allah SWT began is Allah Ta'ala won't even speak to them. And that and just imagine a human being standing in front of their rub on the Day of Judgment. So now the entire reality of, if you remember yesterday, the questions I said, who is Allah? Who, what is humanity? And who am I? The entire ultimate reality of these three questions are manifest in front of them. But now when they finally discover this reality, Allah Ta'ala doesn't even address them. Allah Ta'ala doesn't even speak to them. Allah Ta'ala doesn't even look in their direction. And it also teaches us that those who are believers can hope to get the tender gaze of Allah Ta'ala's mercy on that day, can hope to be addressed by the words of Allah Ta'ala's mercy on that day. And the second part, that He will not purify them. So it also makes us understand that even believers who go to Jannah, first Allah Ta'ala will purify them through His mercy, and then by means of His mercy He will admit them into Jannah. And this is why Sayyidina Rasulullah he said that no one will enter Jannah except by the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Verse 177 is a very long verse, a very important verse known as Ayatul Bir. Uh, so I will not actually go into it, but it's something for you to look at. Uh, and it's considered to be one of the most important verses of Quran. Bir basically means virtue and righteousness and piety. And Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala explains what is virtue and what is righteousness and what is piety in this verse. Alright? There were actually quite a few other verses that I had taken out from the second juz. I think I don't even know if I've even reached half of them yet. But I think we'll have to stop here. 
unfortunately. Uh, and uh, let me turn to the topic for tonight, inshallah.